The Priestess and the Cauldron, a podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years' combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We are speaking now in 2018. 2018. Oh. <laughs> well, hmm. <laughs> I can't quite make myself wrap around that consciousness since, you know, it was such a short time ago. It was 2017. Yeah, only like five days ago. I know. It is weird. I know. Yeah, I got sick right after Christmas. We uh, we went and saw Star Wars Ooh. on Boxing Day the okay. day after Christmas, and I worked that day. I was at the shop, so you know all day long I was like, oh, I'm feeling a little funky, but I'm good. And then we got to the movies at night, and I was like, Oh no, I'm coming down with something. Oh. And then the next day I was down, and I was down until Saturday. Oh my goodness. And then it was basically New Year's right right you know, immediately following that, and so it's just I feel I I'm just getting caught up. Yeah. yeah. On the fifth, I'm getting caught up from the twenty. Sixth, you know, it's been, it's all bad. I had to cancel readings. I've had to reschedule. I've uh-huh. had to move stuff around. Oh my! There's been drama in my home community, drama in the conjure community, drama in the pagan community. It's just been, and because I've been sick, I've just been reading it all online, like watching like, all the drama. Yeah, your basic. Uh, let's turn on the soap opera. Oh my god, it's so Whatever. ridiculous. But anyway, well. You know, and it's funny because, you know, Uranus went direct mm. January 1st, I believe it was. Oh, yeah. And that, all that crap that was going on, and, you know, there was a little, I was out of state, but my daughter got sick the day after Christmas, too, but yeah. it, it yeah. really wasn't a flu. But it was kind of interesting, the energies that were flowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mercury went direct, you know, right before Christmas. I know. I was happy about that. Yeah. I've been trying to stay like Switzerland. There's so much drama in so many different communities right now. And I've just been trying to stay out of it. And for the most part, you know, I can, I, I'm, maybe it's because my moon sign is Libra. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can totally see both sides of, of disagreements. I understand mm-hmm. where this person's coming from and I understand where this person's coming from. Um, and I try to not take sides most of the time, but mm-hmm. some of the stuff that's happening, I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to feed any of the drama. Right. But, you know, it's I'm feeling, I'm starting to feel some internal pressure that I might have to, to take some sides, and I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like yeah. that. I don't want to lose anybody from my life or anyone that I enjoy because of, of a situation that I have nothing to do with. <laughs> right. It's kind of like, well, me or them. And, right. Yeah. And, I don't like that. You know, I know. Let's face it. I go to a place where they're conservative. Mm -hmm. And the views that they express, and they're friends with me on on my personal Facebook, the views they express sometimes are very hard for me to not make a comment 
not put my own opinion out or my own feelings out. Yeah. Because I already know that I want to keep these people as part of my circle, and I feel that by doing that it will create this other part. So I choose to do the same thing, the Switzerland of wherever. But it does, sometimes there are things that happen, especially, you know, in a community where you're active Mm -hmm. and you are engaged that you suddenly find yourself put in that position. Yeah. 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 That's all up at the moment. Yeah, really. And you wound up, I know, going to, I I was betting that you went to the gem fair today, and I I won with myself. I did (laughs) go to the gem fair today. And, you know, because uh, this last quarter, the last quarter of 2017, was pretty much shit. Mm -hmm. Just putting that out there. Um, And I don't mean business-wise. You know, October was difficult business-wise because our wires literally set on fire here. But we had a lovely holiday season, a successful holiday season. I'm very pleased and and, um, blessed Mm -hmm. all of that. But, um, you know, as the drama I alluded to and some other things, starting from the fires Mm -hmm. until now, Mm -hmm. it's been really rough. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was supposed to happen in October was a gem fair. Right. And it ended up being canceled because the location where the gem fair was supposed to take place was um, emergency housing for fire victims. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was the first gem fair that there's been in our local region since then. And um, I think it was the makeup mm-hmm. event. Oh, yeah. You know, because um, most of my regular people weren't there. It was a little bit smaller. It was mm-hmm. kind of, it was weird. Yeah. And because my regular guy wasn't there, I had to go to a different person who was more expensive. And, you know, mm-hmm. so it, it kind of, I don't know, it, it, I always look forward to the gem fair, but it mm-hmm. wasn't as um, fulfilling right. as it normally is because I didn't get to see my regular people. Right, right, yeah. because of whatever was going on. Yeah. Yeah, I know, um, because the Mystic Fair had the same thing happen. Right. Their venue was used for emergency housing, so they were given a chance to take another time, which obviously is going to be April 15th, yeah. and it's based on the circumstances there is another festival that will be um that they are going that there's going to be another festival in that particular thing but has nothing to do with them so it's like a joint process right the hoodoo heritage festival um but again they're not getting a turnout you know at this moment in time things are slower than they've normally had it but then it's also look at what it is yes you know where it falls what it's happening so I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking at how the fires damaged mm-hmm. the communities, and more than just say the fires destroying houses yeah. and things like that. It yeah. it has damaged other uh, yeah. communities. Absolutely. So yeah. So it's you know yeah. it's an interesting yeah since the fires it's been an inter- it's been a different world in a lot of truly ways. Yeah. truly yeah so. anyway. Blah, blah, blah. How are you? Me? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, I'm back on California soil. Yeah. Um, I left, went to Arkansas, and had a really wonderful two weeks with my family back there and got to experience truly the cold of the cold. Right. Where they were like one degree, minus three. They were in, you know, Yikes. we were we were in the frozen. Yikes. And uh 
but it was frozen and clear, so we didn't have snow except a dusting a couple of times while I was there. And it was interesting. I don't know if I... I don't know how I feel about the concept of living there, but while I was there, that energy was invigorating. Mm. I mean, I'm the one going out. Now, they get bundled up. They button up these heavy coats. They put the hood on. It comes up over their mouth kind of thing, so it kind of that. Put the gloves on. I'm walking around with no gloves, no buttoned up jacket, a heavy jacket, and a scarf around my neck. And sometimes my hair, my head thing goes on and sometimes not going, okay, yeah, this is cold, but, you know, and I'm walking down the street or whatever. And and everyone's like this, all bundled up. And and I'm thinking, I really like this. So I I was joking. I was going, my New York blood kicked in. (laughs) I was born there. I only spent a year as a baby, but somewhere those genes came back. That's hilarious. I thought it was very funny. I don't know how we would do in snow. Yeah. Um, that would, and you know, I know dark black ice because I lived up on Mark West Canyon, and there's black ice when you come down. So, but we, you know, it's just one of those I kind of look at it and go, hmm, interesting. Yeah, I'm supposed to go to Pittsburgh at the end of the month. I'm teaching a workshop Ooh. there. Okay. And they're having this. They're having to make a snows or yeah. whatever. So yeah. I'm a little. My friend, I'm I'm teaching with. Um, we're co-facilitating a, a workshop, and she's like, "Are you are you gonna be able to handle this?" I'm like, "Well, we're gonna be inside, right? Like, <laughs> I only have to get from inside to the car to inside. I can handle that. Uh huh. <laughs> be aware. That keeps giving me a hard time. Like this poor California girl is gonna come to the snow and you're gonna her. be you're gonna be wuss about it. I'm oh. going to I'm traveling to the East Coast a few times this year. Uh, so well, I, you'll get a, a real. Uh, my daughter says every time I think of how cold and uncomfortable it is here, I think I look at the East Coast and what's going on now. Yeah. And I go nothing here. Yeah. And I laughed. I said, yeah. She said, but I am a California girl in my heart. I don't like cold. And I go, well, you've gotten to survive it. It's okay. But yeah. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the cold. I'm really not. However, yeah, I can handle it for a couple of days. (laughs) Well, and you know, it's the same thing when people said about the humidity and how horrid, you know, the summer is. And truthfully, you go back there and you go from one air-conditioned environment right. to another air-conditioned right. environment. Right. Yeah, I would rather be cold than humid. I I, I, I learned that this summer mm-hmm. when I went to to Pennsylvania. Yeah. I'd rather be cold than humid. Yeah, well, I mean, you can. So, but that was it. Christmas was good. The little granddaughter was, you know, adorable. Adorable. Uh, yes, even in her, I, I said, I can't understand. And it's funny because two-year-olds now, have a high-pitched scream Mm. that they hit when they're doing their tantrum stage. My daughter didn't do that at two. Mm -hmm. She did have tantrums and screamed and threw herself on the floor. But there's something about the media and the... All the things that have changed how kids are hearing things, it's like a major disaster siren. (laughs) Now, figure that happens at any time the child doesn't want to have what... You know, can't have what she wants. And you're like... Are we kidding? And I started a little test, and I will share this with all the people out there oh that have kids or grandkids or friends of, you know, families that are little kids. Try this. My mother gave this to me when I got my daughter, and she was born, and I was sitting there, and she was going through this. She says, pick the child up. 
will probably be hard if they're flat, they're okay. thrashing, but you get them so that their chest is against your chest where the heart is. And then you take and try to get your mouth where their ear is. And they're shrieking. You get the pitch of their shriek and you do it in their ear as you're at, in a breath. Right. So it'd be, ah, ah, and you do that. Yeah. And you match it. Yeah. And as soon as you match it, you do it for a couple of breaths, then you start dropping it. Drop the pitch Drop down. The pitch, yeah. And you keep doing it till you get from ah to ah. And then deep breaths like ah. And you'll notice they follow it. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you get it, this happened to my granddaughter, as soon as I got two deep breaths in, she was conked out. Nice. Just went right out. And you pick, you hold them, and you walk them over, and you gently, and you keep them next to you because the whole purpose right, is your right, heart is right. to heart, and the and the, you've, what you've done is entrainment is what it's called. And my mother didn't call it entrainment. This is something <laughs> she learned from her, yeah, and, you know, the ancestors, the grand grandparents. Right. This is the training. Right, right. And I showed Bree, my daughter, and I, I have done this with my other granddaughter, Evie, yeah. and, I mean, I know it works, but yeah. I will see, I will put it out there as another one of those little uh, crone tidbits. Sweet, thanks. To try and... I don't, I don't plan on having any babies around me, but you never you know. You never know. My, my stepson's 25. They're, if you got married in the yep. fall, there could be... There could be, could but be. that was the trick, and it does work. So, Good but that, I got to play with that. It was like, oh... I can do this. Of course, I also can walk away when they're totally obnoxious yeah, exactly. as, a, as a grandparent, but it's so nice. But it was a good time. It was nice. a good time. I was having a hard time leaving. Yeah. Uh, I Flights in and out are, you know, it's a total adventure on planes and flying and traveling now. And um, I just, I just kind of sink into the process. Yeah. Uh, I watched two guys. I was in Dallas Airport. I had, uh, what would have turned out to be a three-hour layover turned out to be actually an hour and a half because of mm. some other things that happened and sure. stuff. But I was getting in line to talk to customer service for the airline, and this two two guys, it was a couple, their flight to London had been canceled. Oh, no. And they were upset. And they'd been in the lounge, so obviously they have high-end line you know, seats and stuff, yeah. and they wanted their luggage off. And the one guy was going off on the other guy and was being brutal and mean and oh. degrading. And I'm sitting there, and there were five people in front of them, and there was me and this other lady behind. And we all were like, we started moving back. Right. Like you could see we were stepping back physically, not because we didn't want to hear it, but what was coming up oh. was I felt there were going to be blows. I felt oh, at so some sad. point <laughs> this was going to happen, and I just thought, I need to just stay back, and eventually I pulled out of the the line because I got my question answered uh, before I had to go up there, and I didn't hear any, you know, security people coming, so, but, you know, that was the only, you know, just, you know, but everybody else was nice, and, you know, everything was pleasant, and you just had a holiday crunch and lots of stuff like that. So, on that note, and we're back. We're back to the <laughs> to the next thing is our subject for tonight. Yes. It's tarot. 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 <laughs> tarot, tarot, tarot. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Yes, yes, we are. Well, here's our dilemma. Both of us are amazingly good at what we do as tarot readers. <laughs> or yes. so we want you to believe. No, no. <laughs> 
we know, and some of those people in the audience that are listening know, <laughs> that we are good, and we have taught individually in our own spheres yeah. uh, the tarot. Yeah. So uh, both of us have kind of gotten this place of, well, how do we start? Where do we go with yeah. this? So in our 30-second, which is about how long it took, <laughs> we discussed our things. So we decided we were going to start with history. Right. So people know, where did this thing come from? Right. Right. Where did it come from? Well, that is, um, this is a topic that is hotly contested and debated, depending on who you talk to. Of course. But basically, the whole tarot deck was a game. Mm-hmm. It was not some old gypsy fortune-telling system. It's not some ancient divination. It was a game. Uh-huh. It was a game. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that can be disappointing for folks. Um, I think I might have mentioned this before we went on our, our little holiday break, but the, the new thing that some of my colleagues are saying about me is I'm destroying the mysteries of the craft one lie at a time. There there's, a, there's a lot of information out there that that we as modern pagans take as gospel or that we really want to believe because, it, you know, we have in our heads, I think, maybe I'll speak for myself here, in my early witchy days, older was better. Mm-hmm. So if something was older or ancient or from the ancient world, then it was better. Mm-hmm. Therefore, practicing witchcraft was better than Christianity because it's older. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's not something I believe anymore. In fact, it's probably pretty much bullshit. However... Mm-hmm. Now that um, debunking some of these myths has become like my second job or something, so I apologize for destroying anyone's, you know, beliefs and you know, and don't believe me, it's fine. But basically, cards, the use of cards as a game started in the 1300s ish, mm-hmm. in the early 1300s, and the cards that look like what modern tarot has developed mm-hmm. from came about in the 1400s. Ish. Ish, right. And probably started in Italy. Mm-hmm. Some of the oldest um, decks or, or what we now look at as the major arcana, and we'll talk more about that mm-hmm. in a minute, um, that is what the original card game was based off mm-hmm. of. Many of mm-hmm. the cards in the major arcana have been found in some of these really old Italian decks. Right. And then there are French decks not much later than that. But right. if you think about it, I mean, it's like Italy and... France, France are not that far away. No, from they, each other. they share common, common. Like how you know how many times have you? When I was a kid, I would go visit my cousins and they would teach me a new card game, mm-hmm. and then I'd bring it home and teach all my friends the new card right. game. Right. Same kind of a, a concept, right? But um, yeah, there you go. And there was twenty-two supposedly mm-hmm. in the original. All the the cards that we call the major Canada, the trump cards. Those were the ones that were were the game. And the Tarachi, is that right, Tarachi? It sounds about right. I think that's the original um, for, name of the game. Mm-hmm. And then Tarot, Tarot, is the French adaptation of right. Tarachi, of that word. Right. And the first um, record, I guess, record of that word being used even isn't until the 1500s, the mid-1500s. Right. But it wasn't until the 1700s, so here we're like 400 years later, that it started to become this occult thing. Right. And then it wasn't until the late 1800s and ni- early 1900s that it started to look like what most of us know. Right. Well, and realize that the printing press yeah. is, you know, became 
again, the printing press became the beginnings, and then, you know, they'd hand color, and this was a whole way of looking at these things. And if you think about it, even if it was a game, Mm -hmm. it it had a meaning, and that meaning became what people get, you know, into a system, and out of that they make connections with other things in their spiritual, religious, day-to-day life, whatever, yeah. you know, so that it becomes that. And we, I think we talked about this when it was the chaos magic, mm-hmm. and I said that um, we, it, that there was a certain look to computer games and board games mm-hmm. when they started the process with um, Discordia. Yeah. And I said that my feeling was is that as computer games or board games, actually, at the time, which came into computer games, sure. but board games, Dungeons and Dragons, these are things that start as a game and become a system. Yeah. And even if it's done as a joke, right, it then becomes right. serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I could see where Tarot, yeah, or the Tarachi can be a game, yeah, but then taken into another level. Right. And I'm sure that since we don't have anything left of the ancient days and we're talking way ancient, pre Christian, we don't have things that have come back to us, except maybe some of the Egyptian games that they have. Right. You know, some of those things that we've found. So right. we don't know if this was something... Well, especially card games, right? Yeah. There are... Um, Pegboard games. There are other... Yeah, like there's a, a an old... Gwibadil? Gwibadil? I can't speak Gaelic, but it's very similar to chess. Mm-hmm. And that's an ancient freaking mm-hmm. Celtic game, probably mm-hmm. older than Celtic game. Mm-hmm. But that's a board game mm-hmm. with pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like you were saying, Elvira, having little wood-carved pieces is something that's easier to keep track of and to keep safe mm-hmm. and to keep from not being damaged mm-hmm. than a bunch of pieces of paper. Right. And so the folks who would have been able to afford a piece of paper right. game anyway would have been very wealthy. Right. So it would have been much less likely that common folk like us would have mm-hmm. been playing with cards. Exactly. We would have been playing with pieces of pieces. wood that are carved yeah. or, or yeah. sticks or whatever it was that right. we did. And I think that that in itself there is meaning that comes out of it. I mean, let's talk, we can go to runes. We can go to, you know, different, quote, alphabets yeah. that have meaning and thus have meaning and then have a, you know, meaning they're part of something that then has a meaning, but then that meaning gets taken beyond the everyday this is, you yeah. know, this thing, and I do this to this, and I win your piece, or whatever. Yeah. And I think that, you know, even chess, chess is a game of strategy, and it has been, um, over the years, that particular type of game was was used to learn how to go to war. Mm-hmm. And strategy. strategy. Yeah. It was strategy. Yeah. And I think the same thing with Tarot. It is a game that became more common that then eventually took on a life of its own. Yeah. And in that moment in time, pictures mm-hmm. began to have meanings. Mm-hmm. 
and the more you put into it and the more, you know, I mean, just like all the Da Vinci paintings, there are many theories and there are many things that, that each painting has meanings deeper than what it's portraying. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and what's interesting to me is the deck that most of us are familiar with, whether you use the Rider Waite Smith deck or not, mm-hmm. most of the modern decks are based off of that. Exactly. Process. So, unless you're using the even the soft deck, which is just basically the same deck, but with a lot of artistic license. There you go. And some flipping of numbers and things, but most modern decks are based off the Rider Waite system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rider is the name of the publishing company. Uh-huh. And Wait, A-E Wait, is it, what is it, Arthur? Arthur Edward Wait. There we go. Thank you. Mm-hmm. He was the occultist. Uh-huh. And then Smith, Pamela Colin Smith, was actually the artist. And, of mm-hmm. course, you may have noticed Rider Wait, Rider Wait, Rider Wait. Where the hell is Pamela Colin Smith? So I always try to say the Rider Wait Smith deck because she gets very little credit, even though it was all her artwork. But Waite was involved in all these different occult groups. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, I don't know if he was a Mason, but in, uh, that sort of vibe, right, mm-hmm. the, that secret male society mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, and so he used a lot of what he had learned through th- his training in these occult right. groups to create a vision of what the card should look like, loosely based off of some of these old... Tarachi system, right? Gave that vision to Pamela Coleman Smith, who then actually derived the artwork from mm-hmm. his, you know, dictation and right. created these cards. Right. So most of what we use, this even the symbology of what's in these cards, most of that was cooked up by weight, mm-hmm. uh, and that wasn't even published until 1910. Right. And now, you know, it's a hundred years later. It's only a hundred years later. Right. But it, see, that also presents us with. Okay, we're going to hit a, a both of us have this hot spot, so but I'll pull it this time. Okay. Okay, the neo pagan. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um neo is new. Yeah. So new pagans is not to say that the word pagan and the beliefs that that entail mm-hmm. are made up. Sure. They come from a more graphically simplistic time that believed in things that they worked with every day, right. the earth, the, right. the water, the air, you know, yeah. things of that nature. Yeah. And when you neo it, you make it new. What you've done is you've given it a revised version. Yes. Yeah. And I kind of have an issue when I hear that, when it's said in such a manner that it is a, it's yeah. a, it's new. It's yeah. like it's a sneer. It's a sneer. Neo pagans, like oh, that's new. As opposed like to like I said earlier, yes, because it's not old enough, so it's not legitimate right. enough, so it's not real. It's not bullshit. Real. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because there's a certain amount of the techniques that people use yeah. in each of their religious cultures and their spiritual training that are part of their system their way yeah and sometimes it has a you have more of a written history to go with right or it was more common for them and yeah. our our traditions are not that way many reasons why we don't have to go into it but yeah. in reality 
the things that are newer, just like people talk about, you know, if they got upset at Dungeons and Dragons or Discordia or Chaos Magic and say, oh, those are just new things that have yeah. nothing to do with it. Right, right. Yeah, and I'm one of those people. I There are definitely some systems, and I won't name them because I'm not trying to start shit, but there are some systems that... I'm like, yeah, okay, well, someone made that up in the 70s. I'm not really into it. But who cares? It works. Yes. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of people that follow the precepts uh-huh. of these groups that were made up, quote, unquote, in the 70s. Who cares? If it works, uh-huh. it doesn't matter how old it is. Right. It works. If you made it up yesterday and it works, right on you. Good job. It's, you it's know? advancement. If we yeah. stayed back with the computers they had yeah. with the tubes right. because it was old and thus good, right. isn't it interesting that when it comes to things like technology and advancements in our daily life from beating our clothes on a stone to putting them in a washing machine, that's okay. But if it's something to do with um, a spiritual tradition or beliefs, yeah, yeah. It has a whole, it, it, it's almost, it's completely the reverse. Yeah. Unless, I mean, were our ancient ancestors calling the guardians of the watchtowers of the West? No. 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 That is a new, that's a neo-pagan concept. Mm-hmm. But when you are in sacred space and you call to the watchtowers of the West, do you feel the energy change? Do you feel something mm-hmm. come in? Mm-hmm. Do you feel something bigger than you waking up and paying attention to you? Mm-hmm. Then who the fuck cares? Right. You know, and that's kind of what it is with the tarot. Was it just a game from the 1300s? Sure. But now there are millions mm-hmm. of people across the planet who put belief into these cards and know the symbol of, symbolism of these mm-hmm. cards and understand the language of the cards. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter. Right. And, it's, it's, and, you know, humans see in picture form. Right. Now, when they say a picture is worth a thousand words, it's because it has something that we immediately take with shapes and colors and images and things that we suddenly trigger openings of the energy pathways that go to other spheres, dimensions, whatever. You can sit and have the same thing. What do they do with clouds, for heaven's sakes? Cloud magic, cloud readings. Mm-hmm. You, you divination. You do, you know, um, prophecy. Right. Uh, the same thing, crystal gazing, uh, any of these, are basically a, ways to alter the state of our consciousness, to move it. If it takes pictures and if they have meanings, that, then we trigger yet more pathways. Right. It's perfectly okay. Yeah. So, um that's our big rant. Yeah. <laughs> should we take a break? I think we should take our break. And then we'll talk about, like, the cards more and cards. how to read them. Right. Okay. All right. All right. We'll be back. Thanks. You're listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Stay tuned as more magic is coming your way right after these messages. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Condrum and Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, 
Tuesdays, 5 to 6. Food and Foxy, Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays, 6 to 7. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. All times Pacific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. My goodness. And here we are again. Yes. Oh, back. Back again. So reading cards and stuff. Let's, yes. Let's read them. No. Let's read them. So, yes. Let's see. What would be logical? Should we start about talking about the cards in general and then go a little bit into yeah. readings? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, let's let's kind of, well, everybody knows we, a lot of people will call the cards into two different segment, segments. Yeah. One is major arcana, one is minor arcana. Yeah. Okay? So what is the difference between major and minor? Yeah. Well, this is what I tell people when um, I tell my clients, especially if they've never had a reading before. Uh-huh. The major, no, the minor, the minor arcana minor. is literally a regular deck of playing cards. Yes. And you could use a regular deck of playing cards in trade, and it would be the same. Uh-huh. Where the major arcana is the trump cards, the deeper message, uh-huh. the more layers to what you need to pay attention to, uh-huh. uh, the more intense, good or bad, uh-huh. of, of the message coming through. Right. That's how I talk about it. How you talk about it. That's about, you know, the, the teacher that I, I learned from is pretty much how she talked about it. Minor arcana were like everyday occurrences, everyday situations, the mundane world, and the major arcana were the spiritual mm-hmm. level, the, the the higher energy spiritual concepts that you attain, just like um, if you look at some of the written uh, primers of religions, the Bible, the Torah, the Quran, you know, they are their higher messages yeah. on how to live your life. Yeah. And some of the things that that was part of was my training on seeing in that way. I actually use the the major arcana is a, a cycle of initiation. Mm-hmm. Yes. You start at as the zero as the fool, mm-hmm. and then you go through all of these steps and all of these exactly. transitions and all of these challenges and mm-hmm. blah blah blah, and then you make it to the end, the twenty two at the world, mm-hmm. and that's completion and mm-hmm. re- going from one to the next. Mm-hmm. So when I teach the tarot, mm-hmm. I actually start with the major arcana. Yes. Because I, I've taught classes and I've been individual one-on-one students, and I always start with the major arcana. And with one-on-one students, I make them do a lot more work than what I do in workshops. But you start with the fool, and you work with that card, and you learn the symbolism of that card. And I sort of, uh, I also have like two schools of mm-hmm. training, right? Mm-hmm. One is the more woo, esoteric. Don't worry about what the card means. What's the message coming through? And mm-hmm. What one thing catches your eye and what's the symbolism of that one thing? That's one. Mm-hmm. Then I have the traditional fortune teller training mm-hmm. where this card means marriage, this card means money, this right. card means travel. Boom. Right. right. So I sort of com- combine those things together. Mm-hmm. But you start with the fool and you look, go online and look up the fool and read all of the symbolism mm-hmm. that's been gathered because there is hundreds of tiny little hidden things in the of symbolism of the fool card. Of course. And I 
encourage people to start with the Rider Weight deck because it's the most common. It has the most variations and it of translates, And it translates well to, you know, yeah. a, a standard. I mean, we have the fairy deck. We have the cat deck. We have the oh. Egyptian deck. We have you all these. It, there's a deck. Right. So I know people get in there and they go, oh, my gosh, I feel this energy with this deck. Yeah. The fairy deck. Yeah. And then they try to learn it and use it, and they get frustrated, and it sits in a box somewhere and never gets used yeah. because what didn't happen was they didn't take and learn the basics right. and then go into this is how I this see other it. system. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I totally agree with you in terms of that. Using the, the Rider Waite Smith deck yeah. is um, the first thing I've always worked with people on and teaching them the major arcana first. Yeah. And I was given, you know, I the person who taught me was part of the Builders of the Adidum, which is Paul Foster Case's version. So we also used that particular tarot which is mostly a black and white um they didn't color it in it you could color it if you wanted to but you started out and so it had a lot more of the the same thing as the rider but it was it had more of the symbolism Mm -hmm. of the um traditional societies esoteric societies yeah so it versioned off and um and I really want people to see that, you know, to meditate with yeah. each one, to to live it, to to become, because as much as it's a thing to learn how to read, mm-hmm. it's also a way to learn where it is in you. Yeah, I think it's a dual learning process. Yeah, it's it's the study, mm-hmm. the studious mm-hmm. learner, mm-hmm. and reading and finding out the history. And that's why I like I encourage people to do if you want to learn quick. Right. If you're like, no, I want to learn, then one card a week. Yes. Otherwise, I'd really encourage one card a month exactly. and, and sit with it. But you know that you do the fool, start with the fool, read, learn symbolism, blah. And while you're doing the more traditional head head learning, yeah, mm-hmm. then trance into the card, talk mm-hmm. to the character yep. in the card, yep. meditate on the card, go online and print out four different fools mm-hmm. and see if you. If you meditate on each one, you get something different. Right. If you trance into that card and talk to the fool, or you pet the dog, or you, you know, whatever, you look over the side of the cliff, what information is there for you right. when you step into it from an astral plane or a spiritual perspective? Right. And yeah. it's fascinating because when she would give it to us, it was just about like that. I mean, it was a little quicker because she was doing it in a shorter version of time and not the necessary things, but I took that and, and, you know, we would have recorded it on our phones. I recorded it on a little cassette that tells you how long ago and then listen and listen and hear it and read it and become it because it is really, those cards to me are like a primer book of spirituality. Oh, absolutely. The, you know, the cycle, it's a cycle of initiation. Mm Mm-hmm. So when that's why I like I recommend doing it like a month at a time uh-huh. because then it's you're actually not just learning it you're kind of taking it into your life yes so you have to be prepared the fool it's a new beginning it's a fresh start it's it's leaping off the cliff and trusting that the net will catch you uh-huh. it's looking at who your allies are and who's maybe warning you about potential dangers uh-huh. right all of this stuff 
and then you get to the next card, and then you get to the next card, and then you move along, and you move along, and then you get to the hard, some of the hard shit. You get the tower and the moon and all this shit that can bubble up and cause right. turmoil. Right. And when you're learning the cards, it's a spiritual process. You need to be prepared for that spiritual process uh-huh. to impact your life, uh-huh. too. So, you know, be, you, it's not just learning something. It's not just memorizing and regurgitating. Exactly. Which is what I thought it was at 15 when mm-hmm. I first started reading cards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would just read the book. You know, I would do the layout that the book said mm-hmm. and then read the meaning in the card. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's definitely a base layer of exactly. knowledge. But it's not as deep as it should be. Yeah. Take it the next step. Right. And when you but get not. the one that everybody goes bonkers with is the death card. Yeah, which is actually fine. I think it's a great There's card. There's worse cards on that one. I know, I know. Nine swords. I know. <laughs> like okay, <laughs> that's what we're going through. You're going through now, and you're in the communities. Drama. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, you, because every time you look at the next layer, and it will happen with you, it will it will be something that you find the gold in everything that happens. Mm-hmm. Some of it is easier, like you find a piece of gold on the ground, but then some of it you have to dig deep into a tunnel right. and come up with some, you know, chip fingernails and some <laughs> bruises and, oh, my God, you know, maybe our makeup is kind of mashed, that kind of stuff. But um, I really feel to learn the tarot, it becomes, you live it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not just once either. No, no, no. You go, every time I teach the tarot, I go back into the cycle. Of course. You know, it's it's like a, the labyrinth. Uh-huh. So you, you know something more about the fool now. Uh-huh. You've been around this block a couple of times, uh-huh. but there's always some secret thing. And that still happens. It's been, oh, God. 25 years to almost that I've been reading tarot cards uh-huh. and still I'll pull a card and some little thing in the corner a uh-huh. bug or a flower or something will catch my eye that I've never noticed before uh-huh. I don't know why but it's coming through now and it's coming through for this client right you know so it's right. fascinating it is it really because you never do a reading that there isn't something for you to hear back yeah because it's a conduit, and you're not just yeah. a one-way street conduit. It's a two-way street right. conduit. And when I've taught, I've taught them these are the meanings, this is what it is, this is what it's, you know, the colors and da-da-da-da, but then the same thing, making sure that it's a homework to do this. Yeah. yeah. Because that's part of it. In terms of, you know, what we feel and do with those cards, if we are going to do readings with it, or it's just going to be our personal meditation, our personal experience for, you know, like pull a card and work with it for that week or that day after you've gone through your cycle, um, or you do it for a year, you know, you do a reading for a year. It's personal. If you yeah. choose to take it beyond that, then, you know. Yeah, and you can read for other people and still uh-huh. go through this process. Uh-huh. It's not like I'm saying one or the other. There's 78 cards. Yeah. You know, it's going to take you, if you do one a week, it's going to take you a year and a half to get uh-huh. through the deck. You know? Right. So I'm not saying you can't read for other people. Practice. Uh-huh. Do readings. Read for yourself. Read for friends. Read for other people. Uh-huh. Pull a card every day. But go through it slowly, too. Yes. Integrate it on different levels. Yes. So that you're get. you know, the best way to learn the quick 
sort of um, fortune teller, quote unquote. Am I doing air quotes? Mm-hmm. Yes, you're doing air quotes. can't see them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fortune teller meanings is to do readings and to practice readings and go, oh, the seven of wands, what's that again? And look it up in the mm-hmm. book, mm-hmm. right? But you're, maybe the month that you're working on the lover's card, you finally don't have to look up the meaning in the book mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? But it mm-hmm. takes time. You've got to learn it on the different levels. Exactly. Absorb it. And you might come to some quicker because it's, it resonates quicker yeah. and easier for you. Absolutely. I know there were a few that, that gave me a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's this whole theory of your your soul card and mm-hmm. your year card mm-hmm. so every year. And I don't do the math right. I have a friend, actually my friend who I'm going to teach with in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, she does, she's all into the year cards. Mm-hmm. And I added my, you add up your your birth month and your birth day, and then you add the current year, and it get, you narrow it down until you get an, a single, single digit, digit or, right. you know, the lowest digit, and it tells you what your card is for the year. So I did the math, and then she did the math, and she got a different number than me. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how she was adding it up, but it was mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. But that's like the, your work for the year. Right. And then you have your soul card if you take your birth month, your birthday, and your birth year, and you add that all up to a single digit, that's your your work for this life. Right. Right. So my soul card is the lovers. That's mm-hmm. my work for this life. Mm-hmm. It's connecting to other damn people. Oh, darn. God, it's exhausting. No, <laughs> yes, well, see, all that you're, you're experiencing, you're coming to higher levels of connecting, dear. Yeah. Oh, but we'll these see. are all ways to work with the tarot on mm-hmm. different levels. Right. I just, you know... Like, oh, this is my my lover's year, so I'm going to learn about the lovers and have that infuse everything for mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there's lots of ways to play with uh, how you connect to the card mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. making it fun and interesting and, and a whole spiritual process in and of itself. Right, right, which I like. I know. And the mundane or the minor arcana. Yeah. Fascinating because I actually had a really interesting conversation with my daughter's stepdaughter, and she's 12, and she was Mm -hmm. telling me about the tarot deck, or not the tarot, she was doing a deck of cards, and she says, this is how I've learned this, and this should be very funny because we're talking about games and how does it. So she said, I was, we've just learned this. A friend of mine taught me, and she puts out two the suit of twos, yeah, okay, and they're red and black and red and black, and she yeah. did it that way. And she says, you ask a question, and if it comes up red, it's yes, and it comes up black, it's no. Have you ever done this, divin- you know, have you done this? And I looked at her, and I smiled. I said, well, yes, I actually have, and, you know, there's a, this version, and, you know, you can use the playing deck as a way to, you know, do this kind of yes and no. I didn't call it divination because... We're in a Christian, not a Christian family, but a Christian area, and right, so right. it's kind of one of those we kind of try to not watch your words, watch what you're saying. Yeah. And so we went on that, and then we wound up with talking about the history of tarot and what tarot is, yeah. and, you know, how this all came about. And so the fact that we were having this topic, I didn't realize at the time, you know, this was part of having an education of someone who has no knowledge, is this young little kid, um, and it's one of the things she brought to the table, literally, was this is what a game I'm learning. Yeah. So That's cute. My aunts used to read the playing cards as divination, air quotes, um, and they were Catholic. And, you know, I found it fascinating that these were Catholic women that were really staunch. You would never think that divination 
which is against, you know, Catholicism is against it. Yeah. Uh, they, they would be doing that, but I found out they did, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so. interesting, for, at least for me, learning the minor arcana with the tarot mm-hmm. was necessary. Yes. Because I respond to the artwork. Mm-hmm. Right? So I couldn't. That's why I don't like this. I don't resonate with the soft deck because mm-hmm. I don't care for the artwork. Right. It's too minimalist. It doesn't tell me a story. Mm-hmm. It's too psychedelic. Mm-hmm. I need the card to tell me a story. Exactly. And that's why I prefer, like, I use the de- my go-to deck is called the Druid Craft deck. Uh-huh. Um, and I love the artwork. And it's very Celtic, so that's, uh-huh. I'm sure that helps. Uh-huh. But um, the artwork speaks to me, and I like the stories that it has to tell. Uh-huh. That's important in picking a deck. Right. You want to resonate with what it looks like. Right. How, it, how the artwork speaks to you. Right. And that, I could never... I mean, I've I've had the Golden Dawn deck. Mm-hmm. I've you know had all the, and when you get to the Minor Arcana, they're just five swords, yeah, or two swords, or whatever. And again, it goes to what the playing deck, the yeah. playing cards is like. Yeah. Very, you know, that does, and it's the same reason that I can't use them. Yeah. It doesn't tell me a story, right? Yeah, you know. So, but I know there are other people that it does work for them. Absolutely. So. To me, I look at what works for me and know that stories, I get things from stories, whether it's looking at clouds moving through the air and turning into dragons and fish and whatever, or uh, leaves falling in a pattern on the ground and I'm looking at them. Um, It's, to me, a story. Yeah, totally. So that is something you have to feel, too. Start with something that can tell you a story. If you want to jump off and go with decks that are minimalistic or psychedelic or um, have different, you know, collage effects or whatever, great. But you really need to get to the basics first. Right. You know, just like we all have to start at the basic level and move our way right. up. There is a difference, and I think we should talk a little bit about this, between an oracle deck and a tarot deck. Good call. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot of decks that are oracles. So many oracle decks. Holy crap. Especially now that I'm, you know, a buyer in the retail world, Mm -hmm. I can see how many Oracle decks have been published. Mm -hmm. Holy crap, so many. You name an idea and there is a deck already in existence about it. But the Oracle deck is not connected to Tarot at all. Right. So a Tarot deck is going to have 78 cards. It's going to have a major arcana and a minor arcana. Mm -hmm. Boom. That's it. Some of those decks may put things in different orders or they might, like my deck calls, the Wheel of Fortune, just the wheel, mm-hmm. you know, so there may be minor adjustments like that to match the artwork or the artist right. or the author, right? right. But it follows that pattern where an oracle deck could be any freaking thing you dream up. It could be goddesses. It could be nuts. It could be steps. It could it could be freaking anything. I know. Fairies. You Fairies. Um, masters, uh, ascended masters, archangels. Yeah. Uh, it's mermaids uh it it is an oracle deck and it isn't just that it's an oracle these are oracles speak to you yeah and through them you gain insights and 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 when i say wisdom inner knowledge yeah so if it's a mermaid that gives you that great if it's right. a a coin or a nut great right um but that is i think 
you need to be aware that it is not a tarot deck right. and it doesn't have the same premise, but it does work on helping communicate yeah. inner knowledge and wisdom. Yeah, and you can learn an oracle deck and um, in kind of the same method that you might learn a mm-hmm. tarot deck, but you just have to know that each oracle deck is unique to that deck. Exactly. So, for example, I have the Goddess Oracle deck. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how many cards are in it, but it's a deck I've been using since I was 20. I read my cards on the first of every month. I do a reading for the month. Mm-hmm. And on the first of every year, I pull one card for each of the months of the year so I kind of get an overview of what mm-hmm. to expect. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that for nearly two decades. Mm-hmm. I do not have those cards memorized. I do not look at that card and go, oh, this. Mm-hmm. I I pick up the card. I read what the author has mm-hmm. written about that goddess. I read what the information is mm-hmm. I need to know about that goddess. And it is, um, it's a spiritual process, but it's not something I've memorized. It's not something that I've ingrained mm-hmm. in my spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's different. Yeah. And that oracle system, I could not transpose onto any other oracle deck. Right. Because each one is a unique deck. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that, um, because it was interesting because I was thinking of how many of those oracle decks uh, I'm going to say, I own, um, that spoke to me at a given time, and I needed it, and I absolutely, and then they wound up in a a drawer or a box or someplace, and then, you know, another one speaks to me, and then you go back and forth and around. It it has, because those symbols and that focus is for the time that you are doing it. I believe strongly that Tarot is universally like the overriding Throughout one's lifetime mm. of use, it is a process. It's the same thing as our doing a ritual. Mm. We have certain things we do to make that ritual um, part and parcel of a sacred space. Yeah. How we choose to do it at any given time might vary, mm. but we have certain precepts. So I kind of look at it that way. And right. For me, it's it's how do I do a tarot reading? Well, I started out trying to figure out the Celtic uh, cross and never oh, yeah. made it. Oh yeah, I was going to ask you. That was good. That was my next question. What what is the format? How do you what layout do you use? <laughs> my gosh, when I learned the original layout that this particular teacher taught, she taught it as the zodiacal wheel. Yeah. With the twelve houses and the center two were the like focus. It. Okay, and it wasn't a life reading or a year reading. It was how does this center issue that you've asked about filter throughout the 12 houses. Right, right. And I always had two cards per house. I like that. Yeah, and so I'd start reading it, and now, you know, it was an hour and a half reading. Yeah, I can imagine. It was not a, it was not a, a short reading. Yeah. Then she said what you do is you take and you have two pillars because, again, she learned the builders of the Adidam. They talk about the pillars, the, the black and the white pillars. Um, and I don't have their names, but they have names. It just slipped me. Um, the high priestess. Joachim, like the high priestess. Yeah. The, between the two. And then you would have one is the masculine and one is the feminine. So you'd look at that issue. Those are either people in that person's life that is very dramatic and what do they deal with, or it's the aspects of themselves. Yeah. Then what she'd do is there'd be one final card at the very top. Mm-hmm. And, th- you know, that would be the overshadowing energy 
for the entire reading, meaning what is the highest value that you can get out of this particular issue and what's yeah. there. Well, that was great, but an hour and a half later, it really got, <laughs> got old. So I did that for a long time, and then I kind of backed off. And when I went back, I do, obviously, when I do our 10-minute reading, I basically do two cards at the top for the issue, two to the left and two to the right. And basically that's how I start. And then I start putting cards down mm-hmm. accordingly. Wow, now, you do way more cards than I do. I know. You're nice. Well, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, you, know, you can start with, you know, and that's how I do the yes, no, so it gives a little bit more information. The one that I use standardly for everything, really, other than the 10-minute, yeah. is I put two in the center. I put two at the top, the two to the right, two to the bottom, two to the left, and I start out with it can be, Air, fire, water, earth. Mm-hmm. If it could, it could be um, different people that she's at, they're asking about. It's sure. suddenly, you know, so it starts talking to me that way. It's yeah. a lens. Yeah. That's and then they start getting laid out, and it's funny because I don't, I don't even think about how they get laid out. But every lay, <laughs> and the people look at it, go, "This is beautiful. Can I take a picture of it?" Yeah. It's because it starts talking to me and telling me where it needs more, more information. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know. But as I said, the Celtic reading, the Celtic cross was never something that ever spoke to me. No, I don't like it either, and I don't even remember all of the because it's you know you got the the past and the present and the future and the cross and then all the the who the allies are and the fears and nope, I don't. uh, So what do you do? Uh, I do basically. I'm down to two different layouts. Mm-hmm. I do a three card spread for virtually anybody. Mm-hmm. If it's a half an hour appointment, I might do a three card spread, or I'll do my other spread. For my, sh- my the the shortest reading I do is ten minutes. Right. You only get a three card spread. Mm-hmm. And normally that's past, present, future, but it's not really because I don't believe that cards are that linear. Mm-hmm. It's more like the card in the center is is what's present, mm-hmm. and the card to one side um, is what's po- still here, like what, what's pressing mm-hmm. and causing issue with the present mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and where this energy is moving towards. Right. Right? It's not really past, present, and future because I just don't look at the world that way anymore. Right. Um, and then sometimes I'll pull more cards if we need more information mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then the layout I do most of the time is a five-card layout, and I call it the crossroads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have people pull five cards. The first card goes in the center, mm-hmm. and then I do basically do a circle around that. Mm-hmm. And this card in the center is, is present. Mm-hmm. That's what's the main crux mm-hmm. of the issue, what's going on now. Mm-hmm. That card is impacting the other four right. cards, and the other four cards are impacting that card. Okay, there you go. Yeah, and then I do sort of a three-card spread still, mm-hmm. that, you know, where the energy is moving. And then the vertical cards I sort of hold as, the, as I call them the, the tree of life cards, yes. right? Where are your roots right now? Right. And then the card in the center, again, is the present, where the trunk of the tree. Mm-hmm. And then the card above is your branches or where you're mm-hmm. growing or, or what's holding you, right? Like what's in your skyline. Right. Those tend to be the more woo spiritual cards. Right. right. Where the horizontal cards are the more, more practical. Yeah. Fascinating. I'm listening to you and I'm going, we both do the same spread with our own personal variations yeah. of it, yeah. but we both do that. Yeah. And that's fascinating because we come from totally different backgrounds, yeah. totally different age brackets and experience, yeah. and yet we've both come to that same point of reference. And it's sort of Celtic Crossy if you take the 
extra cards yes. off the Celtic cross, yes. right? If you just keep it that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, if people have, like, oh, well, I want, can you expand on this card? Then yeah. I'll pull cards directly on top of yes. the card. Yes, yeah. yes, That's how I Or can I ask a question about Jimmy and how I feel about him? It has nothing to do with Sam, who she was really asking Yeah. About. So, so they may be over in a yeah, corner or something. So there are variations that are, like, yeah. You might, you know, put in different things. Yeah. But um, that's interesting. That's yeah. just fascinating. Yeah. Wow. See, here we are over a year down the road, and I just learned something new about it, and I worked with her for another year before that. I know. Wow. Good times. Yeah. Man. Yeah, no kidding. So, basically, it, this can't be a, a lecture or a talk or a show about how to read, how to do it, because that would be a series that we would then yeah. do. Yeah. But it's an overview of not only a history and the meanings of these, but the difference between this kind of a deck and the other decks that are out there so you have a little bit of knowledge and, and how we've come to where we feel comfortable with reading cards for helping other people, right. you know, in terms of their issues that come to us, as well as, you know, the one thing I do say, and I read my cards, but truthfully that's bullshit because I don't have enough um, objectivity, so I always go to somebody else to read cards. I go to Phoenix here, and, and personally, you know, there's a lot more that they can see. So there is a certain amount of when you start really getting into this, you have to realize there can be insights for you, but I think at the end the objectivity, if you really need advice, comes from someone else. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, and helpful to have someone else look at a situation yes. for you. Yes. It, I find it really helpful. Yeah, because it, it's like you turn it just a little differently, and their perspective gives you just enough to maybe, again, like you see the card and you see something new in that card that right. moment. Right. So. Do we all right, Tony? Oh, my goodness. That was fast. I know. And you didn't, you, you were able to expound and express. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy we both <laughs> made it. Oh, yeah. I know my little my little cough is still here, but not too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And next week we're talking about druids. I know, I know the druid tradition. There's like forty billion different druid traditions. Well, it'll be a yeah. very full conversation. It will be. Anyway, thanks for listening Thank and you. stuff. And you all have a wonderful, wonderful week. And we will be back on the air next, next week. week. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Guion Raven, 
a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be.